Well, clap your hands to Jesus like you mean it. And why don't you stand to your feet and give God some praise today. Magnify his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. In case you were wondering, you are in a one God, Jesus' name, apostolic church where absolutely anything can happen. Amen, 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 amen. The book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to say what an honor and privilege it is to be back in Bakersfield. And uh, I didn't get to catch, but just a brief moment. I know y'all didn't lose any momentum because Brother Riley preached my message. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I, I love to rib him, and uh, he is one of my dearest friends. And I know without a doubt that y'all had Holy Ghost Church last weekend. And uh, thank God for what uh, what a occasion to be celebrating. My God, the greatest uh, would you say the greatest offering that this church has ever picked up in its history. That's amazing what God is doing. And uh, said, so, well, y'all are just about money. No, I promise you. Ain't nobody keeping that. That's going places. And uh, in, in that sense, yeah, we are because we know that this world runs on that. And so we are blessed to be a blessing. And uh, the Bible tells us if we give, it'll be given back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Uh, amen. I'm, again, I'm honored to be here today. I started to come as my culture, but I really thought it probably wouldn't look good if I showed up in overalls with no shirt and barefooted. And uh, might not get invited back if I showed up like that. And uh, so here I am. Hallelujah. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 1. Uh, before I read, I do want to say I, I stand and I am so honored to be the friend of Brother uh, Peyton and Sister London Bradford. And I am excited about what God is going to do with them. And God's got his hand on their life. And I really believe that big things are going to come. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, the prophet upon the Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known in wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was a hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood, measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations, and everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. Saw the tents of Cushan and affliction and curtains of the land of Midian did, trump, did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea that thou didst ride upon thine horse and thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made quite naked According to the oaths of the tribe, even the words, Selah, that's just a King Version way, uh, the King James Version way of saying God's been shooting a lot. He's mad. 
Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw, and they trembled. The overflowing of the waters passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. Verse 11, the sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thine arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst mark through the land with indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation with thine anointed. I know you've been standing a long time. I'm just about done. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Thou didst strike with the staves the head of the villages. They came out. It's a whirlwind to scatter me. The rejoicing was to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, though the heap of great through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom. Neither shall be fruit in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. That don't sound good. It sounds bad, actually, don't it? Verse 18 sheds a little bit of a different light. This is Habakkuk's response. He said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Why? For the Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. I want to preach to us today with your help and the help of the Lord just for the next few moments. Praise God anyhow. Praise God Anyhow, look at somebody and tell them, praise God anyhow. Let's lift our hands and pray together. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Give you glory and honor. God, you're so good. I give you all that I am today. I'm asking you, Lord, right now to step down into this house. Have your way. Let your anointing saturate us, change us, and challenge us by your power. In Jesus' name we prayed. Everyone said Amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on, clap them like you mean it. Clap them like you're glad to be in God's house. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord, and I do promise that the length of my reading does not indicate how long I'm going to preach today. The book of Habakkuk is beautiful picture because it is literally prophetic dialogue. The prophet is having a conversation with God and in this conversation with God, he hears some things that he does not like. When you see the full picture of the book of Habakkuk, it's, for lack of a better term, it's not peaches and cream, it's not perfect things are going bad, and they're not just going bad in Israel uh, in the sense of a nation, but they're going bad in the sense of a nation of people that have always followed after God, and now they have fallen away from the Lord. 
People of God have turned away from God and turned against God. It's one thing to turn away from him, but it's a whole other thing to turn against him. And I don't have time to chase that rabbit today, but just know that there's preaching in that. And, and so these people that have, that have been uh, going against the ways of God, they have backslidden, they are now idolaters, and Habakkuk steps back and sees this, and because he's hearing things he doesn't quite like and he doesn't want to hear, he is slightly puzzled and perplexed by what he cannot understand. Habakkuk cannot understand why the righteous must suffer. He doesn't understand why God is not answering him when he prays. He writes in chapter one, how long will I have to cry out from a place of violence and you're not gonna listen to me, God? And all he can see is iniquity. All he can see is grievance and spalling, violence, strife, and contention. Is this sounding familiar to anybody today? Law is slack, he says, and judgment is non-existent. The wicked are in control and so wrong judgment prevails. This is how he opens the first chapter of Habakkuk chapter one. He's just telling God how, how terrible of a job he's doing at being God. He said, you're not listening to me when I pray. You're not looking while all the bad guys get away with doing the bad stuff they've been doing. God, you're not even paying attention to what's going on in our world today. And so God's begin, God begins to speak to him and tells them that an unholy people, the Chaldeans, are going to come in and they're going to bring judgment upon Israel to possess your dwellings and they're going to scoff at your kings and they're going to scorn your princes. And, and, and so he gets all of this wrapped up and then in chapter 2, I don't, I don't have time to talk about it all, but I will just tell you very briefly that after Habakkuk complains and says, God, why the Chaldeans? They're more evil than we are. This don't make sense. You're punishing us with people that are more perverse than we are. And, and when he does that, God begins to speak to him. And he tells him, I'm going to deal with them too. Just don't, don't, don't think for a moment that they're getting off the hook and, and they're getting off scot-free. God tells him, I'm, I'm going to deal with the Chaldeans and they are going to be totally destroyed. And that's where we come to chapter 3. And this is Habakkuk's response to what he has seen in the vision. This is his prayer. This is him talking back to God after and, 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 and kind of just telling us what he has saw and what he believes is going to happen. He tells us this is a prayer or a song upon the Shiganoth, which is kind of a rambling poem. And you can see it throughout the scripture, throughout this chapter. He's kind of rambling through. He's not really got any sure direction. He's just talking about the pestilence that he sees. He says that the mountains are scattered. The sun and the moon are standing still. Understand all of these are eschatological things that some have happened, some are yet to happen. And, and, and Habakkuk is painting a picture of despair as the world, he know it, is crashing around him because God is angry and God has turned the earth over to the heathen mind. God is done helping his people. God doesn't even care about us anymore. It's how it looks when Habakkuk is painting this picture of how angry God is. Habakkuk says that my lips quivered and my bones were rotten 
When I seen the judgment of God, it, it did something to me. And he said, and I looked at the fig tree, and the fig tree wouldn't blossom. I looked, and there was no fruit on the vine, no olives on the vine, no meat in the field. The flock is cut off from the fold, no herd in the stall. But I have to explain very briefly today what's happening here is Habakkuk is coming to grips with what he already settled when he heard in chapter 1. Habakkuk is dealing with the fact that he doesn't like what God is doing. Habakkuk is dealing with the fact that he doesn't understand everything that God is doing. Anybody feel me when I say I don't understand all his ways? He's, he's trying to wrap his arms and his mind around all of this. I don't know why God hasn't done anything about it. I don't know why he let Israel get so far from him in the first place. And, and, and one of the greatest detriments of this day is that us as righteous and, and, and entitled and pampered, spoiled people of God, we put all our focus like Habakkuk did for just a little bit on the things that we don't understand about God. That's what Habakkuk is doing. He's saying, I don't, I don't get this and I don't get that and I don't know why God is doing this, but there's something that begins to happen and he begins to understand God is an eternal God. He's a God that's righteous. He's a God that does all things well. He's a God that never makes a mistake. He always done right. And when Habakkuk began to tie down in his mind what he did understand about God, it's a whole lot under, easier to understand what you don't understand about God. I've come to tell you today there's a lot about what's happening in our world I don't understand. There's a lot that God does that I don't understand. But rather than focusing on what I don't understand about him, I want to take just a little time and tell you it's time we start standing on what we do know about him. We know that he is God and God alone. We know that he's God and that's never going to change. We know that all power in heaven and earth belongs unto him. And when you start thinking about who God is and what God is, it's a whole lot easier to deal with the stuff that you don't understand about life and about the world around you. Can I tell you today, if you focus on all the stuff you don't understand, you're going to pull every hair in your head out and you're going to go gray way before your time. But if you can just do like Habakkuk and take a step or two back and say, I don't understand that and I don't get what that's all about but I'm going to stand on what I do know. I know God's good and that's never going to change. I know God can heal and that's never going to change. I know God can set free and that's never going to change. I I know he's a God that makes a way where there is no way, and that's never gonna change. I'm not gonna worry about what I don't know. I'm gonna stand on what I do know. Habakkuk understands that these people, he knows the history of Israel. And so he starts going down through their history. And he starts, I don't have time to preach all the types of shadows here, but just know they're there. Go home today. And, and look for the types and shadows in the back of chapter 3 of Israel's history. You start seeing the horns and all of that stuff. And that, that, that's, I, I'm not getting into that because we'll spend all day right there. Just know it's there. Can I, can I put that in part 1.25? If you're new around here, just we got about seven series going on right now. And they're just all over the place. But a back kick looks at all of this. 
And he starts talking about what God has done. And he knows that Israel has lived through 35 or so wicked kings. And God has got to deal with the wickedness and the idolatry in Israel. And so he's got to cut off the wicked. And God, I don't understand why we got to suffer with the wicked. But one thing I do know is that you're just and you're faithful. And and you've never let us down yet. And so when he starts thinking about this, he steps back and says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. All I see is desolation, but yet I will rejoice in the Lord. All I can see is the world going into uh, to hell in a handbasket, but yet I will rejoice. Uh, you're rejoicing because hell's, uh, the, the world's going to hell in a handbasket? That's exactly why I'm rejoicing, uh, because this world uh, and I aren't going the same direction. Uh, and when somebody in this world sees the chaos, uh, they need to walk into First Pentecostal Church uh, and see that this church ain't going the same direction uh, that everything out there is going. Uh, we're not, oh, help me, Jesus. I feel like preaching now. We're not going in the same direction. We're going somewhere different. We're doing something different. While the world's in turmoil, we're in unity. While the world is slowing their fingers at each other, everybody, oh my God, what what, what are we going to do next? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go to the house of God. We're going to look at the world around us and say, it might be like that out there, but when you get in here, it's a totally different story. When you Get in here, the world around you is not, it's a non-factor when you get in here. Yeah, I will rejoice. They're they're talking about how much dysfunctions in our world. And Habakkuk says, yep, I see that. What are you gonna do, Habakkuk? Yet I will rejoice. They're talking about how much disunity is between the different ethnic groups and Habakkuk says, yep, I see that. What you gonna do about it, preacher? Yet I will rejoice. You're happy over that? No, I'm happy because I got something that makes sure I'm not a part of that. Come on, we got visitors here today. And if you're a visitor here, you need to know this right now. You walked in on this Sunday afternoon uh, to the only place in Bakersfield uh, where there might be racism on the outside, uh, but there's not on the inside. uh, And they might look at you differently uh, because you come from a different economic group on the outside. uh, But that's not true on the inside. Uh, We all in this together, and we're all just taking a step back. I see it. uh, I know it's there. uh, But praise God anyhow. uh, Give cop glory anyhow. uh, because I've been a part, I've been born into something that gives me power over the stuff on the outside. It's this, it's, it's kind of like I'm preaching right now. It's this rambling poem that don't have any direction. Y'all are all thinking, where in the world is he going? I'm going where Habakkuk was going. He just got, he got the pen in his hand and he just started rambling. Somebody walks up and says, he's a little bit crazy. He's he's lost his mind. And he's looking at all of the stuff around him. Peril. He's looking at all the pestilence. He's looking at all the destruction. He sees the mountains shaking and the sun and the moon standing still. And he's got his hand in his hands. He says, my God. What's the world coming to? 
Yep, I will rejoice. What's, what's this world coming to? It, it's, it's, it's all wrapped up in verse, here, where is it? Verse chapter, let's look. Two, ch- chapter three, verse two. There it is. When he begins to pray, he, he tells us how he can say praise God anyhow. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He shows us because he says, God, in wrath, remember mercy. That's something to shout about right there. Because he's simply saying, God, just do what you do. Because every time Israel has ever went away from you, the moment they bowed their knee, you came back to them. So in wrath, just keep being God. Because even when God is upset, he's still God and he's still loving and he's still caring and he's still worried about what you're going through and he's still listening to you when you pray. That's... That's why he, he didn't let Habakkuk talk but about five verses and he starts telling him, listen, I know you're upset and I know you don't feel like I'm listening, but I'm God and I'm always listening. So you need to get this in your spirit and realize that even though I have to deal with this right now, I'm still a God of mercy and I'm still a God that can take everything that the devil meant for evil and turn it around and work it out for your good. I'm still the God that can give you water in the wilderness. I'm still the God that can bring you manna out heaven. I'm still the God that can bring you revival in the middle of a pandemic. I'm still the God that can cause everything that should have shut you down just to be a stepping stone to take you where I want you to be. Listen to me, First Pentecostal Church. I'm still the God that went before you and I'm going behind you and I'm on every side of you. I'm working it out. So what you need to do is just take a step back and give him glory because he's still God. If you can get this in your spirit, you'll be a whole lot easier to pastor. If you'll be, oh, help me, Jesus, I'm going to meddle a minute. If you'll get this in your spirit, you'll be, you'll be a whole lot easier to be married to. If you get this in your spirit, you'll be a whole lot easier to be on the job with. What's wrong with you? Yet I will rejoice. You mad? No. No, no. In my flesh, yeah, I'm mad. But I know that God's in control of this. I. I had the pleasure of serving in Louisiana for a number of years, and, 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 and in that number of years that I was there, we had a man in the church. His name was Joe Gomez. And Joe Gomez was the hardest working man I've ever met in my life. I'm talking about, I, I, I can't even begin to explain. Okay, here's just a very brief example, but living in southern, y'all wouldn't know anything about this, but in southern Louisiana, it rains every day. Like even when it ain't supposed to rain, it still rains. And with that, when you have that much rain, I mean, we average 68 to 70 inches somewhere in there of rain a year. That's more than y'all see in what, eight years, six years, 10 years? Long time. Long time. We had a lot of rain. And in that, you, you, your yard turns into gumbo. I mean, you, you can't get a lawnmower in it. You pull off in it, you're going to... I mean, you're going to sink to the axles. And I don't care how good at driving a mud truck you are because I'm the best. I'm telling you, there was ruts four foot deep in that backyard where I just thought I could get back there. I found out I couldn't. I just Anyway, when, when, when the grass would need to be cut, Brother Joe Gomez, we had about four acres right there that we cut, and we owned about 11 acres off the side of that. And, and Brother Joe Gomez would come out there early in the morning and get a weed eater and would weed eat the whole four acres 
Hardest working man I ever met in my life. Because ain't no way I was doing that. And there was this deal with Brother Gomez that wherever you've seen it, he couldn't sing. God, I, I, if he listened to this, Brother Gomez, I love you, but man, you can't sing. <laughs> Could not sing to save his life. Now, just so you know a little bit about Brother Gomez, he grew up very poor, worked like a dog just to put food on the table for his mama after his daddy left him. Brother Gomez is came from a very, very, very small beginnings. And when, when I was there in Louisiana, he lived in, in a government-funded apartment. He didn't have a whole lot of education because he went to work so young. And, and you would seemingly look at this man that's always, I mean, he was a mechanic because he had to be. He couldn't drive anything very nice, and so he always was fixing that same old vehicle, trying to get it to run. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He, 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 was, he could do anything you asked him to do. He was just... The guy. And, and in, in all of this, there was just, from the outside looking in, you would assume he doesn't, you know, he, he would be the guy that would come to church and everything's wrong, and so he would sit on the back pew like some of you do uh, because everything's wrong. Uh, not to those that are sitting back there right now, but I'm just talking about in general, in, in theology. Sit there like a bubble of law because nothing's going right. But what's amazing about this man is at 5 o'clock in the morning, when he got to the church and he cranked the weed eater and he'd go to cutting grass, you could hear him singing, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. And I remember thinking, God, I wish he'd sing that at seven instead of five. But it did something to me. It changed the way I think. Because when I started getting the revelation that Brother Job had, everything's not always going to be right. Everything's not always going to be perfect. You're never going to have enough money. Your family's never going to be right because your, your family's not my family. There's people in your family. It's never going to work the way you want it to work. But there's got to be something inside of you that Habakkuk got the revelation of and that that good brother, brother Joe Gomez got the revelation of. If it's 5 o'clock in the morning and I ain't got nothing else to do, I'll just start singing that everything's going to be all right. Why? Because God is in control. And as long as God is in control, I know everything is going to be all right. I don't you come to church when God put breath in your body? Come on, I need somebody that knows what I'm talking about right now. You've been through the fire. You've been through the flood. Hell trying to destroy you, but you took a step back and said, yeah, I will rejoice. I got every reason in the book to sit down and complain, but I'm not gonna complain. God's been good. I'm not gonna cry and grumble. God's been good. I'm not gonna sit back and watch somebody else praise him and me not praise him because God has been good. Yet I will praise the Lord. I don't have any money in my pocket. Yet I will praise the Lord. I got a bad report from the doctor, but yet I will praise the Lord. Everything's not going right, but I got a feeling everything, everything, everything is gonna be all right. Let me just tell you something. If you're not, can, can I preach to the visitors for just like two minutes? You came to this church today, and I can promise you, those brothers you just seen running the aisles, everything ain't perfect in their world. You know why they're doing what they're doing? It's because they're a part of something that's greater than, 
My praise is not depicted by what's happening on the outside. I'm happy because something happened on the inside. I got the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. I've been baptized and that's why I can say, yet I will rejoice because I know this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Come on, I'm excited. I can say praise God anyhow because I know I'm going to a city whose builder and maker is not man. I can say praise God anyhow because I made my calling and election sure. I went down in his name and I received the spirit. Anybody excited about having the Holy Ghost? There's, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to close. I told you I wasn't going to preach on musicians. Please come help me. But there, there's something about this that bugged me until the other day. It was just, I know this is simple revelation, but I'm a simple guy, so just how it happens. I looked. Sister Bradford, this doesn't make sense to the way we preach it because when Habakkuk is talking about all the wrong stuff, for 17, chapter, 17 verses, he's talking about the pestilence. He's talking about mountains shaking and sun, moon, and earth all standing still. For 17 verses, he talks about no, no food. God help us. He, he, he talks about the sheep being cut off from the fold. And then he, when he starts praising, he only gives us about two verses of that. And this puzzled me. And I was praying about it. God, I don't understand this. This doesn't fit with the way I like to preach it. Boy, it's amazing how that Bible will mess up good preaching, man. This isn't the way I thought it was supposed to be. I mean, he's the prophet of God. And 17 verses, he talks about what's wrong. And he only talks about giving God glory for two verses. What's the deal? And I got a revelation that when you don't understand things, you tend to do what he did and you ramble about them. But when you get a revelation of what praise really does and what praise really is, it don't take you near as long to stand and tell what you feel and how you feel. Praise doesn't need as, need as many scriptures to give its response as worry and griping and complaining does. Praise, oh, help me, Jesus. Praise doesn't need as much time to tell its story and explain its stance like, like, well, I don't know if God can do this and I don't know how God's gonna do that. No, praise doesn't take all the time to do that. Praise just realizes he's God, he's in control, and that's enough. I don't need to know anything else. I don't need to know where the next dollar's coming from. I don't need to know where the next miracle's coming from. I'm just going to stand on his word and praise God anyhow. And when I do that, God comes down and he makes my feet like Heinz feet. He makes me to walk in my high places. When I figure out that I don't need to worry about what's going on in the world around me, God comes down and God shores me up and God... God anoints me and God elevates me. Yeah, it's just simple revelation. But he said, he didn't say you make me to walk in high places. He said you make me to walk in my high places. Can I preach that for like 60 seconds? Praise takes you out of the place where you don't own nothing. Yeah, I see everything's around. I know everything's wrong, yet I will rejoice. Praise God anyhow. And it spiritually connects me to places that I don't own yet. 
It spiritually connects me to mountains that I haven't climbed yet. You want to know why you see somebody, you come to this church. Now, I know you don't see this at every church because every church ain't got it like this. But the music's going good. And you see that one brother or sister gets down there and they start praising. The next thing you know, they, they start doing that number. And they get carried away. You know what's happening? Is God is making them to walk on their high places. God is spiritually translating them to places of victory that they haven't walked in yet. And saying, now taste this. Feel what it feels like to stand on that mountain. See what it feels like to have that victory. See, you want to partake of victories that you haven't even seen yet? Then go ahead and step out when everything's going wrong and say, yet I will rejoice. Praise God anyhow. wait. I'm not going to wait until everything gets right. Yet I will rejoice. Take you about two steps back. Look at everything around you. I can cry. I can complain. I can cry. But yet I will. Yet I will. Yet I will. Come on, somebody today that came to church and you're looking at your world around you. Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eye off your problem. Get your eye on and get your eye on Jesus Yet I will Yet I will Come on, you can be pressed down But you're not forsaken Come on, everything may look like it's going wrong But you got the answer today You can step back and give it praise And watch God work it out Watch God make a way